Happy new moon in Taurus. Wow, we are definitely under a very powerful, powerful time, y'all. And if you haven't yet seen my Instagram post, this one is all about the Benjamins. And many of you have had your mind on your money and your money on your mind. And this is no coincidence. And we'll get into this a little bit deeper um, after we kind of settle into a little bit of information about new moons in general. So new moons and full moons are very powerful, powerful times for intention setting, for manifesting, for reevaluating, revisiting, reconnecting, and revamping up what it is you truly want to put out and put forth in this world and essentially what you want to reap from it. And this new moon, um, as is with every new moon, it's all about uncovering the layers of ourselves that are deep within our subconscious that we can't really see. Now, when you look up in the sky, it's called a new moon because you can't see the moon in the sky and it's hidden. And what is being hidden is the ability to allow ourselves to kind of move inward, to practice solitude, to practice self-evaluation, and to really begin to shed the layers of the lunation that are already in our in our face, <laughs> the circumstances and the situations that are already all around us, and really choosing to hit the pause button and look within and see what parts you play, see what habits um, are taking over, and allow ourselves to understand that although the external is definitely a huge part of our reality, that the internal world that's driven by the subconscious mind is oftentimes it's run, the one that's running the show. And we don't often take time to sit with that space within us. We are oftentimes told to go, 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 move, 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 resting, relaxing, and finding some you know quiet time with ourselves or meditating. It's very challenging for most people and that in and of itself should be an indicator as to the fact you really do need to go there and you know whatever we resist will con- will continue to persist and we have to take this time especially under this powerful new moon and every new moon to really begin to do the inner work that is so desperately needed and so you know mostly ignored. So as we step into the energy of this new moon, we are stepping into Taurus energy. So when we look at a new moon in Taurus, we are looking at the aspects of ourselves that have to do with stability, security, finances, things of the material world, and where we are in that energy, what is being hidden in that energy. And when we look at Taurus, Um, it's ruled by the second house, which is essentially our finances and money and our ability to use and function and be, you know, very secure within our finances. And ultimately, because money is just, you know, an energetic currency, it's just like a tactile form of an energetic currency. We are also talking about our inner wealth. Okay, as much as as much as money is something that is external and wealth and riches is something that's external, the way in which we attract it and the way in which we um, uncover the layers of ourselves are internal and they communicate with one another. You know, in the yoga community and in spirituality, which I've been on this journey for quite some time now, they always suggest that the inner world and the outer world are in constant communication. And that the outer world is an ability for us to dive deeper into what's going on internally. It's almost like a reflection, um, a mirror. And this made complete and total sense to me up until recently when I got smacked in the face with saying, you know, money is just the same. Your external reality and relationship with money is a reflection of what is internally festering or internally in your blueprint. 
And it didn't quite click for me up until reading it verbatim that that too is true. And this can go with everything, you know, every aspect. But I was generalizing that statement more towards spirituality and more towards essentially um, the world in which I live and relationships and happenings, but never really brought it to money. And when it hit there, I was like, fuck, right? Yeah. For sure, I could definitely see how this is definitely something that has taken over my life from a very, very young age. Now, when we look at Taurus, Taurus energetically is connected to Venus. And Venus is, um, you know, generally feminine. But when we talk about feminine, we don't just necessarily mean, um, you know, vagina and titties. We are also just talking about an energetic frequency and the duality of the polarity of masculine and feminine as an energy. So what that means is that femininity has this um, receptivity to it, has this um, softness to it, and yet at the very same time is just as powerful as the strength and the heat, but also understanding that the calm and the coolness is equally as important. So lots of really interesting energies wrapped around this new moon and because I have been in this energetic space of finances and um, my ability to look at my finances and to restructure the way I look at money, the way I interact with money, the relationship I have with money and beginning to change my you know overall perspective, I sense that I wanted to share with you what I'm doing to begin to reshift, to change my mentality and also change my, my actions and begin to look at my deeper subconscious and share these things with you so that way this may strike a chord in you that awakens aspects of your financial relationships and restructure them to be in an energetic frequency internally of wealth and riches so you can welcome wealth and riches from the external environment because you are like the pinnacle and the beacon of that energetic frequency because again money is just energy it's a frequency and when we're on a low frequency we're not in a frequency of welcoming in money and finances we are stagnant we are stuck But when we allow ourselves to elevate to a higher frequency, we are in that frequency of money and money has the ability to come to us and towards us and we will begin to see these opportunities and grab onto them and run with them. So I want to begin by saying if you don't have a pen or paper, I highly suggest that you grab um, a pen and paper because I'm going to be offering quite a bit of information, not only book suggestions, but also my personal habits that have recently um, shifted and I've you know been doing this for almost a week now and attempting to really begin to, again, generate a different perspective and a different relationship. And um, the reason for the pen and paper, too, is perhaps with the different things that I say or questions that I ask, things will come up for you that have been deep within your subconscious to look at and to analyze and perhaps to, again, change that, that thought process and change that habit and change that blueprint that has been embedded in you, perhaps from when you were a child. So before we get started... And I am going to do a tarot card reading, um, a general tarot card reading with regards to money towards the end of this podcast. So um, be mindful of that. So I'm really excited for this podcast and I feel like that was a quite a, quite a long introduction. But um, in any case, if you think that somebody you know might be interested in listening to this podcast, please share it. Um, click the link, copy paste and share it away. If this podcast is giving you some amazing insight, I would love to hear it. If you have anything to add, please, please share, um, like, and subscribe. And rating this podcast helps me and also helps other people within the community. I do this for you. I share for you. And if I'm sharing something that you like, please tell me in some way, shape, or form so I can create more of that content um, for you because essentially... Me sharing my my thought processes and doing these podcasts is 
to share the wealth of knowledge that I've been exposed to to help others in any way, shape, or form that I can. Sometimes it's personal experience. Some more oftentimes it is, but sometimes it's exposure to books or um, people, and that is why I'm here. And this is my form of service. So, without further ado, let's jump into the podcast and ensure that you've got your goodies with you, so we can do the damn thing. Woo! All right. So before we begin, I just want to make sure that you are in a really sweet space. And if you're driving, keep your eyes open. If you're in a space where you can close your eyes, just close your eyes and just take a moment here to take a deep, full breath in through the mouth and exhale out the mouth. Maybe making an O with your lips, taking a deep breath in, sucking in that air. And let it go. I pray that no matter when you're listening to this podcast and no matter when you allow yourself to connect with the topics that we bring up in this matter, that you allow this podcast and the words that are transferred from my mouth to your ears speak to you in such a way that initiates a shift, triggers a shift, and inspires you to shift. All right, so I wanted to share with you a bit of a timeline. I had been on this journey with um, healing different wounds and happenings in my ancestry, and especially with my mom. And through this journey, I was led to read a book. It didn't start with you, which some of you who have followed me know that like I share the books that I'm reading. And I shared that, you know, quite a few months ago. And it was a book suggestion given to me by a dear, dear friend and my spiritual sister, Andy. And she is the owner of Salt Starlight, who is my ultimate crystal dealer. And I'm actually holding one of her crystals right now. But um, I, at the time, was looking at this book and reading this book for healing on relationships and understanding, you know, the depths of genetics and how genetics really do play a part. And they have now discovered that, yes, certain things are genetic, but not just, you know, addictions, not just um, you know, genes as like features, but also traumas and dramas and pains and the amount of scientific work that these scientists have done in efforts to really share this information is amazing and absolutely mind blowing. Okay. Um, one of the studies, which I'll just say briefly is that they did the study and they did it on rats and, What they did was they offered them um, a fruit and then they would shock them. And every time this fruit was around, they would shock shock this, this particular rat. They skipped a generation and did not do this same shocking, you know, practice with the specific fruit. But when that rat had children, the grandchildren of the rat that was originally shocked whenever they smelled the fruit, was ex- was you know experiencing similar traumatic experiences just by being exposed to the fruit. So it's this deeper understanding that like we pass on and we carry on various different you know nadis or samskaras as you would say in Sanskrit and in the yoga community we carry these with us and we've known that you know we've said that but Now there's actually a scientific backup. And when I originally read this, excuse me, when I really originally read this book, it was like an efforts to really deeply understand what I've inherited from my ancestors um, and also really beginning to understand my mom and how she grew up and perhaps the transfer of the way that she grew up into the way in which I grew up, right? Because... We can only be human beings from what we've experienced and what we have learned. And that goes from being loved, 
money, relationships, and we, we learn this. And they say that up until the ages from zero to eight are the most important times of our lives. That is when we are basically building our subconscious. This is like the time when we are beginning to absorb our belief systems and our values and stories that stick with our subconscious that in turn run our lives. And I know it sounds really strange to say that, but they've they've already done studies that you know, our conscious mind may have like, let's say 50,000 thoughts a day, but they say that our subconscious mind can have almost double of that. And these are thought processes and belief systems that aren't necessarily at the forefront of our reality, meaning we don't, you know, automatically observe those thought processes or feelings. So when I, backtracking, okay, so when, when I read that book, that's where I was energetically. Since then, I've read a couple of other books um, about the mind, the mind control method. I highly suggest it's a very powerful, powerful book. And then moving onward and upward, slipping into Taurus season, um, moving from Aries into Taurus season, I was obsessed with getting my poop in a group when it came to finances. And this was for quite a few reasons, but, but mostly I want to experience financial freedom on my terms. I want to generate income on my terms and I don't want to be at the discretion of any corporate company um, that is mediating and, you know, how much money I make, capping me at my income and, you know, requiring more of me energetically and physically yet keeping me at the same, you know, pay rate. So, um, long time standing, I wanted, you know, as even as a young child, I was like, I want to work less and get paid more. And everyone's like, ha ha ha, everybody does. And I'm like, yeah, but no, I'm going to do it. So, um, and then that's one of the reasons that I went into nursing, not only because I love what nursing holds and entails, but also because they work three days a week and I would rather work three 12 hour shifts and have four days off than, you know, bust my ass Monday through Friday. I did nursing and then shifted back to a Monday through Friday deal for a very short period of time. And I was like, eh, this isn't for me. (laughs) So then once I was, you know, in this three days a week, I was like, wow, three days a week, although it's three days a week and everyone thinks it's like amazing. If you're a nurse, you totally get this. Those three days a week are emotionally, mentally, and physically taxing. You might have a good day here and there, but when you, you know, crunch up your hours a week into this time frame, it's like, holy shit, it's a lot, right? So then my mindset changed. I'm going to manifest working less, getting paid the same amount. I'm going to work less and get paid the same amount. And ideally, I wanted one to two days a week, still doing what I love because I absolutely love working in the NICU, but doing less of it and getting more. And slowly but surely, I've evolved into being with two separate agencies that are per diem agencies and generating the same amount of income working less and getting paid more an hour, having more freedom. Now, I don't have to work weekends. I don't have to work holidays. And I have the ability to freely choose when I desire to work and still making the same amount of money. And... I knew at a very young age that I was a very powerful manifester. I remember at a young age, if I wanted something, I knew that I was going to end up getting it. I maybe didn't understand how, but I always knew that I was going to get it. And maybe that's a bit of the Aries energy, that little selfish energy there. But um, I always knew. And even as an adult, I've carried that with me. And that in and of itself is an aspect that I generated as a belief system and a value at a very, very young age. And, you know, I've been able to manifest various different things into my life, yoga opportunities, um, just so many. We can go on for days and that's probably a completely different podcast to touch on. But when we look at the new moon in Taurus, we are looking at the ability to manifest, the ability to create, the ability to go deep within our subconscious, recognize what we have and our power stepping into that to generate what we ultimately want to generate around the energy that's going on for that particular new moon. For instance, this one is all about finances. So moving forward, there were two other books that um, I 
like fell into as we moved into tourist season. And one was um, It's Not Your Money, which is a great book. And the most recent one is Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. And It's Not Your Money was suggested to me again by my beautiful sister, Andy. And the second book, Secrets of a Millionaire Mind, came from um, a podcast that Natalia Benson um, was, was, you know, speaking about. And I was like, oh, something about that book like draws me in. I need to get that book. I need to read it. And I did. And I'm currently in it. I'm not, I'm about halfway through, but still a very powerful book. So needless to say, I am on this journey and I've been on this journey for quite some time. And I want to share with you a couple things that I've learned about myself and share a couple habits that I've begun to incorporate in my morning routine and my evening routine that has really helped me not only begin to shift my mental framework with regards to finances, wealth, and wealthy individuals and wealthy things, but also to assist you in recognizing your own. So as I went through this book, which is a very powerful book, he asks you various different questions um, that really trigger aspects of your childhood. And a couple of things that I will share, and I won't share everything because this podcast can be probably like hours long if we really dove, dove deep, but really I just want to give you a gist of the things that I've learned and the things that you perhaps um, can learn and it goes beyond because the way in which he asks the questions, it really does pull you into this space and it asks, you know, are you always capped at a certain amount of money a year? Um, do you continue to say things like, I just want to be comfortable instead of saying, I want to be rich. And we have some really interesting energy that surrounds money. You know, sometimes people think rich people are selfish, rich people um, you know, are nasty and egotistical and we have all of this framework about what we think rich people possess and makes us not want to be that to an extent, right? Because we're like, oh, like, God, like, what a bitch, like, stuck up, snob, blah, 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 How, whatever your thought process is. And just think about how you see, you know, wealthy people in general, and this has been constructed over time with your own personal experiences and also the experiences that have been inherited by your family back to the book, It Didn't Start With You, and back to parenting and how your parents saw money and how your parents' relationship was with money. And money is something that gives you freedom, right? Money gives you the ability to invest in yourself, to um, educate yourself, to develop skill sets. Money allows you to live. Money allows you to pay rent. Money allows you to do all the things that you desire to do, travel, whatever the case may be. Now, money is an energetic frequency going back to that. There was a time period back in the day where their currency was tulips. And now we're looking at how shifting into cryptocurrency may be the future of money. Now, what this all means is that we've all agreed that these particular items and these particular external tactile objects are representative of an exchange of energy, a.k.a. money. We've decided that that is our means of currency, right? So... With that being said, you could go grab seashells and, you know, we could all just decide that seashells are our means of currency and that's how we exchange, right? Now, when we look at money, again, this can get really deep, but when we look at money itself, we are looking at a frequency, a vibrational frequency that was once backed by gold. And then you think of alchemy and you think about the alchemist book, right? It's always been in front of you, right? And when we look at the fact that, you know, an actual dollar bill was a promissory note that you would give to other people in exchange for, for them knowing that you had gold to back that dollar up. Now we don't have that. Like people are just printing the dollar and we're seeing inflation going on and various different shifts in finances. And a lot of people felt, you know, that it had got hit hard in 2020. But here's the difference. 
Rich people see an opportunity. Right now, interest rates are the lowest that they've ever been. Right now, rent for commercial property is probably the lowest it'll ever be. And this is an opportunity with the time that you've had off or the time that you aren't able to actually go to work where you could begin to take out segments of your time at home and build something for yourself. Whether that's you know investing in yourself and taking a course with something that you've been very interested in or whatever the case may be, because that is building value within yourself. And as you begin to build, build value within yourself, you become more valuable. Now this could be, you know, you know, deepening your education in a current career that you're in, or maybe if you're looking to get out of that, that is, you know, shifting gears and saying, okay, like, hey, I've always wanted to do yoga and I think I'm going to do a yoga teacher training. I'm going to see which ones are available online, see which one resonates with me and maybe take that course. And you begin to invest in yourself, which is energetically elevating your frequency. You are shifting your energy. You are changing something to change the way you are and the way in which you connect and have a relationship with money. So moving on with all of that, I learned that my old story and my belief systems with money generated at a very young age and who knows, probably ancestrally as well because my mom came from Cuba. She wasn't wealthy when she got here. She had to work from the ground up. Uh, I lived in a low-income housing family up until third grade and things were rough. Like It was a struggle. Like I remember I lived in Fort Lauderdale and there was like a place by Kmart off of Oakland Park Boulevard. Um, I forget the name of it, but I could tell you what it looks like. And they would they would sell day old bread because it was cheap. And I remember going getting day old bread, and I remember like whenever I wanted something, my mom would say, "Well, then we have to eat like cereal and peanut butter and jellies if you really want that, like every day." And I would sacrifice, you know, food um, for things that I wanted at times. And that, you know, too kind of generated into my adulthood when I was in a lower vibrational frequency of money. And in addition to that, I remember my parents were divorced and whenever we would go out to dinner, it was always a battle at the dinner table at the end of the night when the bill was front. It's like, no, I'm going to pay. No, I'm going to pay. No, I'm going to pay. And it was very uncomfortable. And even to this day, if I look at my adulthood, I find it uncomfortable at times going out to eat with a significant other and or my um, mom and it's always like I'm going to pay, you're going to pay, who's going to pay, like what's the right thing and it, 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 it feels uncomfortable. So noticing how the habits that you've, you know, been around at a young age are influencing you now is so empowering because now you're aware of it. Right. And before, maybe you weren't consciously aware of how much those, you know, aspects of your childhood around money affected you. But now in adulthood, if you were to look back and think about maybe your first memory with money or your interactions with your family with money, you begin to recognize your own habits. Now, one more thing that like really broke my heart when I noticed this, like I remember my mom because she was a single mom and she was not only supporting me, but also her mother And I remember asking for certain things and she would tell me, you know, like, I can't afford that right now. I can't afford that right now. And I, in turn, found myself saying the same to my son. And I was like, fuck, like, I am breaking this generational curse, like, right here and right now. And instead of saying I can't afford it, I'm going to say, right now, we need to figure out a plan of what we could do so we can afford it. And begin to find opportunities and instead of just completely, you know, subjecting myself to that energetic vibrational frequency of I can't, right? Because essentially you can, but you have to figure out ways to do so. And that is with, you know, not just money, that is with anything and everything. So as I was like navigating through this book, and again, I'm only like halfway through, as I was navigating through this book, I've learned so many different things and so many different lessons in conjunction with my rituals, which I will get into towards the tail end of this podcast as well, that I do to help me uh, manifest and generate money into my life, but also knowing that it is a vibrational frequency. And if I am in this like, you know, shitty mood, low frequency, in an energy of lack, in an energy of, 
you know, emptiness, that is not, you know, congruent to, to money. You know, that is, that is a very low frequency to be staying in. And essentially money will not be attracted to that. So stepping up your game energetically, and I'll teach you some tools how to do that. Stepping up your ability to create new habits, stepping up your ability to check in with yourself with regards to finances that have kind of been linked to your past and stepping up to the plate and acknowledging these various different aspects, acknowledging where you are financially and choosing a framework to make this work. All right. So very powerful tools in those books. And I I have a feeling I'm going to be sharing more about this because um, again, I was talking to my uh, spirit sister, Andy, and we were discussing things and she's known like my ups and downs with, with finances and money and um, my relationship with that. And I sense that, you know, this is a, an aspect where I could share and share my healing processes and be able to help other people that might be also in the same boat because who doesn't want to be financially free? Who doesn't want to be rich? Who doesn't want these finances? And money is something that every single person can connect to, right? So um, as we shift gears here and move into a couple different habits, I just hope that you know the messages that I've shared with you and the book suggestions that I've shared with you have um, triggered you into perhaps inquiring about yourself and maybe a couple journal prompts to take into consideration under this new moon, if you're really unsure as to how to begin a new moon manifest manifesting um, ritual is to take the time out and say, like, what was the first memory that I have of money? How did my parents interact with money? What did they say about money or what did they say about rich people? As I grow up, what was my relationship with money Um, in high school? Did I have a job? Did I save? Did I spend? Did I have bills? How was your relationship in high school with money? And then what is your relationship with money now? What is your relationship with rich people now? Do you curse them? Do you judge them? Do you envy them? What is that energetic frequency that you are projecting onto something that you essentially want? And this is just a couple journal prompts to get you started um, and get the wheels rolling because the biggest aspect of getting your shit together with regards to finances is number one, your frequency, and number two, being humble enough to see yourself for yourself, the subconscious, and you know whether or not it's something that you're proud of or you're not proud of, you need to see it. And by seeing it, it loses its power over you. So um, we're going to shift gears and I'm going to go into a couple of habits um, and a couple of things that I've recently done, uh, I would say within the past like couple months, that have really shifted um, my mindset and it's really helped me grow. The biggest thing that I want to share is your environment. Your environment is huge. Now, what this means, it's not just necessarily your house and your living environment. That is key. You know, if you're living in a disorganized and there's shit everywhere, like it's going to be chaotic and you're going to feel that for sure. But it's also what you're listening to. It's also um, what you're filling your brain with and who you're interacting with. Are you interacting with individuals who have and hold a higher vibrational frequency that are helping you become better, that are giving you information to level up, or are you staying in a low vibrational frequency with individuals that pull you away from ultimately your goals? So checking that and evaluating that. Podcasts are the single most important thing that has happened to my life. That and journaling, I would say, are like top tier right next to one another. Journaling is also a really awesome tool to keep you accountable, to purge, to jot down things that are happening throughout your day, and to, you know, find gratitude. And we have to look at how we use our time. Are you in the car and are you listening to nonsensical music? Are you in the car and saying like, hey, like I got a 30 minute drive to work and a 30 minute back, like drive back, I'm going to start a podcast and I'll finish the podcast by the time I get home. 
Um, you know, what are you doing when you get home? Are you sitting there fingering your phone or are you choosing to say, hey, for the first 20 minutes um, after I take a shower, I'm going to sit in bed and I'm going to read 20 minutes of this book. And you have to understand that, yeah, okay, 20 minutes doesn't sound like a very long time, but 20 minutes is better than nothing. In 20 minutes, maybe you go through like four or five pages. And if you did four or five pages of a book every day, you would finish a book. And it's not that you don't have time, it's just that you haven't constructed your day to create the time. And you haven't evaluated your day to construct a, um, a different perspective and a different way of approaching life. You've been doing the same thing for how long and you are where you are. Do you want something more? Do you want something different? I'm going to be sharing a couple tools that are going to give you the opportunity to do just that if you truly desire to, but you have to commit yourself to them. Any real change takes time and new research says that it takes 66 days to actually embed a new habit and change a programming and what's really happening in your mind and in your body is you're creating new neural pathways and you're deconstructing the old ones that don't serve you and really beginning to structure and build the ones that do. So the first thing that I would suggest to you doing is evaluate your day. Where do you waste time? Is it driving? Um, is it when you come home? Is it at work? What is it? Um, I know you know, there's, there's times during my day at work that I have some downtime and it was easy to kind of like, again, go through Facebook or go through Instagram and kind of finger my phone. But now I've decided to bring a book with me. And even if I get through, you know, three or four pages a day, that's three or four additional pages that I got through a day. And yesterday I read, um, almost two chapters at work because it was like a calmer day. So be mindful, set yourself up. I know that some people, you know, work from home and, you know, maybe you could have your ear pods in and you can listen to an inspiring podcast and just begin to put yourself in a higher frequency with your surroundings, whatever that might be, okay? Maybe it is decluttering your desk and decluttering your room, whatever, but be led by what you feel you need most and also incorporate podcasts when you can and journaling when you can because again these two are the single most most powerful things that I've incorporated in my life I've been journaling journaling for years now and I save them very rarely do I like flip back but very very powerful all right so secondly when we're talking about this new moon I want you to get really really honest with your money I want you to look at your debts I want you to write down your debts and the debts in each specific area and look at that look at the numbers and begin to feel the feelings that come and that are wrapped around this debt for me my debt was a reminder of my carelessness at a very young age and I had to forgive myself Um, also a lot of shame for you know stacking up all of this debt and you know oftentimes this is like really embarrassing I would get student loans and I would use some of that towards college but they would give me so much that I would end up blowing it on clothes or whatever I wanted to blow it on and you want to know it's really fucked up is like I think this is really fucked up you know you go to college and I call it a debt sentence But you, at 18 years old, can pull out a loan to go to college, but you, they will not give you a business loan, which I find amazingly crazy. So if you're in college and you're getting out loans and you're blowing your money, I mean, invest it at the very least. Uh, Look into stocks and, you know, look at how you can, you know, make that money into more money, even though it is a loan. But maybe start your own business. Start your own little online business. Maybe that you know is that that extra like three or four grand. Um, look into you know trying different things instead of blowing it. Because gosh, I mean, if I had the knowledge that I had now, that's exactly what I would have would have done. All right. But looking at your debt is like acknowledging it, seeing it, 
and being humbled by it because it's hard, right? Like some people I've, I've talked to, they're like, I don't even look at my bank account because it's embarrassing. Okay, well, th- you need to, okay? You got to look at your bank account. You got to look at what you're working with. You got to look at what's coming in, where is it mostly going when it goes out. And then let's look at your bills, okay? Where can you consolidate? So personally, I was paying for Spotify. I was paying for SoundCloud. I was paying um, for, I think, another, um, oh, another subscription. I was paying for Gaia. I was paying for all these little subscriptions. And um, yeah, it's like $5 here, $10 there, $20 there. But I began to look at the ones that I used most. And I said, okay, if I really wanted to go back and sign this like subscription, I could always go back. So I'm going to cancel these and I'm only going to keep one. And I kept Spotify. Um, and going through and kind of kneading that out. Then going, say, maybe I should shop for different um, car insurance. I dropped my car insurance um, by over $100 just by switching the company. If you owe on your car, maybe see if you could refinance your car for a lesser interest rate. I did that as well. And I dropped my interest rate from like, I think it was like 9% to 3 um, Cell phone bills. I found, I went shopping and I looked at different ways that I could decrease my cell phone bill. Internet. Look at your internet. Do you really use it? How can you consolidate it? And how can you bring more income in with what you are already working with, okay? And what's going out. Um, And these are just little examples that has helped me kind of get a bigger, you know, like a a grasp on what's going on and get a bigger picture at where my money is going. Now, another thing that I learned um, from this book, and this is by T. Harv Ecker, is how to manage your money. And he suggests getting six bank accounts. And I know this is fucking crazy. I'm like, when I first heard it, I was like six bank accounts. Like, what the heck? Um, but you could structure this, structure this in whatever fashion that you'd like. Me personally, like my husband is absolutely like phenomenal with his finances, with his money, which is probably why I'm getting into it now too. Um, but he could have one bank account and he knows where all of his money's going. He's very organized and he's like, you know, I got it. You can't spend that much money here. Blah, 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 blah. He gets it. He, he, it's easy for him with one bank account. Me, I'm a visual person. I have to know how much I have in each area of my life. So he suggests, um, creating one bank account with straight deposits and then paying yourself. So the first payment is 60% is paying yourself. And then another bank account, and you could, you could, you know, verbalize this in whatever shape or form that you'd like. 10% for a big purchase, 10% for travel or fun and games, and then 10% for, oh, what was the other one? Crap. Big purchases, fun. Oh, and then your education. So furthering your education. And then 5% towards giving, meaning donations, and then another 5%, um, I think was just like miscellaneous, if I'm not mistaken. And creating debit cards for the big purchase and creating a debit card for your paying yourself, your 60%, and also for fun. And by structuring these various different bank accounts in this fashion, you begin to say, okay, what do I consider fun? So, okay, for me personally, my fun is um, going and getting massages, getting my nails done, my hair done, um, going out with friends, going out to dinner, okay? So whenever I do those things, I look into that bank account and say, okay, I have X amount of dollars in there and let's see. And, oh, one more thing, sorry. When you deposit, this is like a percentage that you put in from every paycheck, okay? So like, let's say, let me just do a little bit of math here just so like we can kind of put this into perspective here. Um, One sec, I'm getting out my calculator. All right, so let's say you make $1,200 a week. So 60% of that is $720, which goes into pay, excuse me, paying yourself, And then 
10% is $120. So $120 would be in those different areas, okay? And then 5% is $60 in the other two areas. Now, it will eventually equate to like your whole entire paycheck, but every time you get paid or every time you get like a larger sum of money, you begin to distribute that payment exactly like that into these various different accounts. And have your bank work for you with online banking and with app banking. It's really easy to get this done and really easy to do it. And you could actually do it automatically. So you could go to the bank and say, every deposit or you know whatever at every month I want this much to go here, this much to go there, this much to go there, savings, whatever. I think maybe one of them was 10% was savings. Anyways. So structuring six bank accounts, the, however you'd like to, however you'd like to structure structure them, however you want to name them, whatever makes that trigger in you, and this gives you the ability to say, okay, this paycheck I have one hundred and twenty dollars for fun. So that is getting my nails done, and then I'm going out with the girls later on this week. Done. Boop. And then you have to know that you have to wait until your next paycheck. You don't dabble into other accounts. You just know like that is your limit. Now, here's the best thing. Rich people, yes, they go to the restaurant and they pick whatever they want to eat. They don't look at the price. But until you're at that level, being able to respect money and being able to create boundaries and being able to make and generate new habits is going to tell the universe that you are responsible with larger sums of money. It's going to tell the universe, I understand my place and my relationship with money and I respect it and I am grateful for it and I am grateful for this money and I am grateful for what's coming in and more will come your way. So until you allow yourself to step into a bigger lump sum of money, continue these habits because they are going to build you for receiving more money. If you're very careless with your money, the universe is going to be like, okay, so you want money, but like you're just going to fucking blow it. You don't respect it. You're not using, you know, I know people that have used money to go buy shit for their house and then they can't pay their rent. That's that's not good management of money. Um, so just being mindful of where you're spending and creating these different bank accounts has been extremely helpful for me. Now, the second thing is gratitude. So finding time to sit down and be grateful for things, whether this is at night before you go to bed or early in the morning. I've been doing it early in the morning and I've found that it really sets the tone for my day because I'm focusing on the positives as opposed to negatives that are happening during my day. So being able to find some gratitude um, is a very powerful practice that will lead to more and more coming your way. Um, another thing that I would like for you to try and, um, look into outside of the books and it's out of all of that is creating goals for yourself and say, okay, uh, let's say you have four different credit cards as you look at your debt and you felt those feelings and they're really shitty, but you got to make a plan of how to pay that. Right? So maybe instead of creating right now, six bank accounts that sound like a great time, maybe create one of those bank accounts for, debt payments and maybe choosing the credit card with the highest amount and paying that off first. I was also told to look at the interest rate. The one with the highest interest rate, pay that off first. Now, I'm going to tell you a little trick. If you, and you can do this with credit cards, you could do this with car payments, you could do this with house loans, everything. If you split up your monthly payment into two separate payments a month and you make one payment three days before your due date. So when they tell you that your due date, your your due date is like the 15th, it's really three days before the 15th. Okay, and then making another payment before the 15th, let's say a week or two before. So, okay, I know it kind of sounds confusing, but. Let's just use this as an example. Let's say your um, your car payment is due on the first of every single month, okay? You got to take that car payment, let's say it's $500, you split that into $250 and $250. Your first payment of $250 will be on, let's say, the 10th of the month, 
And then your second payment of $250 will be at the very minimum three days before the first. So I sometimes would like to say the 10th and the 25th is the way that I did it because my car payment was due on the first. So I would say I'm going to make a payment on the 10th and the 25th. And when you make those two payments split up every single month, you begin to build your credit and you relinquish interest rates. Yes, which means you don't end up paying as much interest and sometimes zero interest depending on where you're at. So this goes for credit cards, car payments, all the things. So being able to know that and you know structuring those payments to help you and benefit you and put more money in your pocket and pay things off faster is also empowering because you are taking control. You're not re- you know, relinquishing your control and your power to these companies, but you are taking back your power and taking control. And um, you know, doing that and choosing, you know, maybe to say, okay, I'm gonna pay minimum payments on the other stuff, but I'm gonna maybe put um an extra, let's say you have an extra 50 bucks. I'm gonna put in an extra 50 bucks on that credit card and pay that one down. And then you pick the next credit card, and then you pick the next and the next and the next and the next, so on and so forth. And you begin to pay things off, and you will begin to see as that um balance lowers you begin to feel so much more empowered. You begin to feel as though you're taking back your power. And when you begin to do the six different um, bank accounts, you still have money in the bank while you're making these payments. You're just structuring it different. You can also look at credit cards that have a zero um, percent interest rate for a year or two and transfer balances. I did that with two of my credit cards and then that was my credit card goal. So for instance, one time I transferred a balance because um, I had like three different credit cards. I took a, the highest uh, balance that I had and I found a credit card that was 0% interest for a year. And for that whole entire year, my focus was that credit card. I did minimum payments on the others, but I focused on that credit card. And then you can continue to do that. So then let's say after a year, um, you you get another credit card and then you transfer another balance over and so on and so forth, but restructuring your debt, looking at your debt and making a plan for your debt. And these are just a couple different suggestions that I've done. There are so, so much more, and maybe I'll do a course on money management if you guys are really digging this information and um, get you guys on the roll to becoming more self-sufficient, more inspired, and again, very much empowered.